Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the award-winning Great Indoors is proud to come to the fabulous Las Vegas Convention Center, MWC 2022. Baby, let's make it amazing. Thank you, Mr. Sinatra. Yes, this is season five of TGI, and here in Las Vegas, as the GSMA's official podcast, I am joined by a multitude of spectacular guests from across the industry. I'm also joined by my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. Now, over the coming weeks or so, we will be bringing you these incredible conversations that we captured at North America's biggest telecoms and technology show. Now, for this first episode of Season 5, we will be talking digital divide with T-Mobile's Dr. Kaisha King and AT&T's Jeff Wong. Every conversation is simply a cracker. So buckle up and let's get started. So this is episode number one, our first guest at the Great Indoors MWC 2022 here in Las Vegas. So I'd like to welcome our first guest from T-Mobile, Dr. Keisha King. Keisha, Good welcome. morning. Dr. Keisha King here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, really great to be back. Really good to be back at the show. Keisha, if you will, just give us an introduction on yourself and the role that you do for T-Mobile. Sure. My name is Dr. Keisha King. I am the Senior National Education Administrator for T-Mobile for Education. Um, previously or forever a teacher, a principal and executive director of curriculum and technology in a district of 70,000 students, 96% free and reduced lunch. Um, so I know all too well some of the things that our school districts and state leaders are facing with, in regard to education and uh, excited to be a part of T-Mobile's initiative to help bridge that divide. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an absolutely amazing initiative. Uh, really, really incredible. And before we go into that in more depth, just from a personal perspective, since we did this show 12 months ago, what's the biggest innovation that's personally touched or impacted your life in the last 12 months? Oh my goodness. The fact that we're able to interact with one another again is a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah. But from a technology uh, innovation perspective, definitely the advancement of immersive learning experiences and XR opportunities for our students. Yeah. Right. We know that there's a lot still developing there, but just watching students interact um, in a virtual world and have that experience to learn and grow um, mm. and thinking about the impacts that has on the future workforce is just phenomenal. No, and I, I, I can relate to that personally. I have four young children that when we went into the lockdown, switched to you know, the remote education yeah. system and, and, it, and it, it benefited them fantastically as far as their IT skills moving forward. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about Project 10 Million Cash because I was in Copenhagen last week on stage with Meg Noth from uh, T-Mobile and she mentioned this uh, initiative. Give us a, a little bit more on what Project 10 Million is all about. Project 10 Million is um, literally the first and only program to ever provide connectivity of this magnitude to K-12 students across the country uh, to bridge the digital divide across uh, the country's most vulnerable student populations. The qualification is the National School Lunch Program. Uh, we're seeking to connect 10 million students over a five-year time frame. Um, What that means is that for every single eligible student household, they could receive one no-cost hotspot shipped directly to the home with five years of internet access, 100 gigs per year. 
Um, and think about the opportunity to really scale that across the education system, right? You're talking about students who generally don't have access to academic vocabulary. They don't have access to traveling experiences um, and exposure to all types of sports and industries. Having access to the internet allows us to then open a world of opportunities to those students. Absolutely. And that's exactly what Project 10 Million seeks to do. And I think, I think since the pandemic, this digital divide really became apparent. I mean, it, it always existed, but it shone a light on it, right, really. And I think in 12 months from that particular crisis, I think we're in another crisis now, the cost of living, the uh, impact yes. of inflation. Is that further accentuating the digital divide issue? Absolutely. You know, when you think about connecting a student, that's only at the very center of an education ecosystem that provides students with access. Now, when we connect a student, we're actually connecting them to telehealth resources. We're connecting them to transportation resources, food resources, unemployment opportunities, government assistance, yeah. all the nonprofits that are working so hard throughout the communities. And last but definitely not least, business industry. And so that connectivity for students is so much bigger than just saying, oh, we want to provide a hotspot to a K-12 student that is underserved. No, we want to connect them to opportunities and infrastructures that they normally would not have access to. No, it's, and that, that leads me into my next question perfectly, because whenever we talk about the digital divide, we always start at education. We always say, and it's, of course, it's key. But like you said there, providing that hotspot doesn't just give... The, the obvious educational benefits, but it yeah. opens the door to services that are now becoming predominantly digital and you're yeah. deprived of them if you do not have that access. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And these populations are highly mobile. You know, they're highly transient populations that they're not just sitting at home all day. So when we ask the question, do you have internet access at home? We're really missing the mark, yeah. right? The question is, do you have internet access everywhere you go? Yeah. And that's what Project 10 Million seeks to answer. And as a company, we are 100% committed to making sure that we're a part of the solve. As you can see with um, all of our network initiatives and all the amazing things we're doing across the company, uh, Project 10 Million is just another part of our commitment to America's children. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you just made me think of something there. We're, we're well into the race for 5G in the United States, right? And I go to many events and see many of your executives talk about how groundbreaking, how T-Mobile is leading in that 5G rollout. And over the years, we've always talked about 5G will bring you this, 5G will bring you that, blah, blah, blah. But in this instance, we can point to a demonstrable societal benefit that that 5G network provides. Right? Yeah, you're spot on. You know, when you think about 5G in education, you're talking about re reducing latency for students who may have an opportunity to simulate a science experiment where they don't have access to a frog or a human cadaver, right? You're talking about opportunities for them to walk through a world or an immersive experience that they would never otherwise have an opportunity to see, whether it's in the past, the present, or the future. And so 5G is a real game changer. Never mind rural area students, right? Right. When you think about students who traditionally have never had access to internet, ever, unless yeah. they go to a town away, or um, if they go to mom and dad's job that happens to have built-in infrastructure for Wi-Fi access, they can't even get it in their home. Right. And so 5G means something very special to those populations who otherwise have never had an opportunity to just sit with a laptop or a Chromebook and 
Google what Italy looks like, yeah, right? Yeah. Or Google a random thought or say, hey, I want to fix my bike. Why doesn't Susie have the opportunity to look up how to fix her bike just like, you know, anyone else does? Yeah, yeah. But that's, that, that's a fascinating point because like you said, you can give people connectivity and the T-Mobile 5G network provides that wireless 5G connectivity pretty much across the population of the United States now. But there's another element, like you said there, the immersive, and I'm pointing to our, our VR headsets, but that immersive educational experience where you engage. I remember when I was at school, there was nothing like that. I mean, you, you looked in a textbook, you saw 2D images. Right? But now my children can, like you said, Italy, they yeah. can go to Italy in a virtual world. They can immerse themselves. We had a, a holographic display company called Ikin talk to us. And you don't just study the eye from an educational perspective. You immerse yourself within the eye. So it's yeah. a fantastic revolution. But that leads me on to another thing. And I think it's going to be talked about a lot here this week. And that's the metaverse. How do you think the metaverse, super hyped up uh, <laughs> word and topic, <laughs> But how do you think from, from your experience as a teacher and, and the role that you perform at T-Mobile, how is that going to take education to the next level? Number one impact, in my opinion, is future workforce. Right, right now, we have 65% of students who are underrepresented that will not have access to an innovative future workforce that does not exist today. Yeah. How do we change that? We create immersive experiences like the metaverse. We give them an opportunity to help us build those experiences right and now we're actually opening up a future that they generally didn't even know was a potential for them yeah right that's going to be the biggest impact now of course another impact is being able to create diverse opportunities within future metaverse experiences that takes into account all of the different ways that we live our lives yeah right and that's going to be critical and the students that we're working with today are the ones who are going to develop that yeah and can you already see this having a distinct benefit on those students that you're serving. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's funny, I was watching a um, presentation a couple of days ago, and it was just talking about, you know, people were so immersed in trying to figure out how to teach millennials. Now we need to figure out how to teach the Fortnite generation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. How yeah. are you going to keep those students engaged? How else but to create an environment that stimulates those same things and allows them to immerse themselves into a learning experience, into an experience, yeah, right? Yeah. That allows them to continue learning. What's the interaction or the relationship that you have now with educational institutions? You know, it's interesting. We have connected uh, in total over 4.5 million students across the wow. company. Wow. And uh, even when I think about it, it's mind blowing, you know, uh, particularly the progress that we made throughout the pandemic and after the pandemic in regards to connecting students, leveraging, you know, the emergency connectivity fund through the FCC mm. and all these other amazing programs. Um, we've worked with over 5,000 education entities across the country. And so you think about you know, the landscape of how school districts work, that means you're talking to mayors and governors and state superintendents and commissioners. Yeah. You're sitting on digital equity boards and education cabinets so that you can help to figure this out. This is not a prescriptive environment. 
This is very much a let's sit down with city government leaders and officials to solve something collectively for cities and counties and states um, that otherwise would just sit and continue to exacerbate as a problem. Yeah. And, and, and what I think is amazing, and it's something we've focused on on this podcast for the last 12 months, I think it was because of the pandemic, tech companies and, and service providers like T-Mobile now have this inherent obligation to the communities they serve. It's tech for good. We're not just doing it now for the dollars and cents. Of course, it's good to make money along the way, but there's this, this switch now and everybody is focused on how all of this great technology that we build and promote can help society yeah. as, uh, as also. It must feel pretty good. It feels amazing. One thing to think about with regard to T-Mobile is that, you know, in comparison to every other tech company, T-Mobile, even before the pandemic, they didn't just bring on anyone to figure out how to work with kids. They brought someone in that has a demonstrated experiential knowledge of how the education system works and how to effectively serve underrepresented populations of students. And I think that's something that's been a phenomenal opportunity to grow out a team of education leaders across this company um, that really work in various areas of the country that are highly known yeah. Uh, for their work in education specific to students having doctoral degrees in that area and really focusing in on how T-Mobile is a part of the solve. That's the part that's special. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that leads me into my, my next question perfectly is we know a lot of the, the service providers around the world uh, yeah. are, are looking to close that digital divide for all the reasons we talked about uh, yeah. as part of this discussion. But that's what, what you mentioned there gives T-Mobile a very distinct differentiator, the fact that you're bringing in not just other tech people, but people that know that issue more than anybody else. It's, it's branching out of the traditional sort of tech thinking and, and product management. It is. It is. And it's trusting that other industries know what's best for their industry. Yeah. Right. It's it's being able to sit down and say, hey, we want you at the table yeah. because we know you understand these populations. How can you solve something? if you don't have a connection Absolutely. to what you're trying to solve. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really been a beautiful process being a part of the team and, and really coming in and having the autonomy to design programs like Project 10 Million uh, have been phenomenal. And you know, I, I go over to Bellevue quite often. I, I was there twice in, in September. Beautiful place. But I, yeah, it is, it's very nice. <laughs> I, but I love the vibe around the brand and the magenta and I can see it here at the show. There's a lot of T-Mobile, but there's a real, youthfulness and excitement yeah. about T-Mobile. And, and do you feel that? It's real. Yeah. It's real. I mean, you know, this is not just something where you have a company that ships you some swag ever so often and so you feel compelled to, well, to wear it. Yeah. You really believe in the culture of the company and the goals that the company has. And, you know, thinking about doing things for good is great. But when you're actually able to operationalize that and you have a whole team of executive leaders that are fully supportive of that vision, mm -hmm. that makes you want to wear magenta every single day. And it's for, I was just going to say, and it rubs off on companies <laughs> around. So are I, you excited right now? Well, I am, but I'll tell you what I did last week. This is really interesting because we have an office over the road from Bellevue. And, but I was in Copenhagen last week with Meg from oh, T-Mobile yeah. and she was up on stage. She was wearing full magenta and I wore a magenta tie. I don't know the word vicariously. I was <laughs> absorbing the brand, which I thought was really good. Yeah. I it was really cool. You know, this, again, this brand is um, 
that magenta is not just something uh, that we wear. I think that it's it really is a belief system. It's a belief system around innovation. It's a belief system around doing things differently and uh, being the uncarrier yeah. in a market where, you know, people traditionally stay safe. Mm -hmm. And T-Mobile is really unafraid to go out there and push boundaries. Yeah. We work directly with those school districts, directly with government entities to try and solve these issues for communities. And it's been highly effective. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, I, you know what I, I think? And I look at a lot of different markets around the world and, and lots of different service providers. But I think the world needs more T-Mobile. I think that the, the disruption, uh, the energy, the vibe, the everything we've talked around, uh, the closing, the, imagine if every service provider elsewhere in the world had yeah. that passion and commitment, how it would, it yeah. would be incredible, wouldn't it? I completely agree. I think yeah. if, if everyone had a pulse on what students actually need mm. and we solve for what they actually need, it's very easy to go into a community and say, oh, these people look hungry. Let's provide them with meals. Then you go buy 10,000 meals, 2,000 families get them, and you just conclude that they're not hungry, so okay, they don't need the meals. Yeah. How about you, you really research and change the way that you're assessing what the needs are mm -hmm. and change the way you're delivering to meet those needs? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you have a strategy for success. And I think that's exactly what T-Mobile did by bringing mm -hmm. in teams of education experts uh, to really you know, figure out what is the strategy for success. Mm -hmm. No, it's fantastic. It's really amazing. Uh, okay, Kisha, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Now, this is how we finish each of these episodes. Uh, is there cake? The, the, we can get cake. We can bring cake. But what we do is we finish with our quick fire question round called okay. TGI to go. All right. Five questions, multiple choice. You just tell us your preference. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yes. This is TGI to go. TGI to go. So question number one, Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? Frank Sinatra. That's good, that's what we, we'll have Frank here later on at 3 p.m. He will be singing. It's not the real Frank. It's okay. It's okay. I'll it's enjoy close. him. It's close. Yeah. Question number two, singing or dancing? Singing. Mm-hmm, okay. I have two left feet. Okay, well that's okay. Well, we'll be singing with, with Frank later as well. Okay, this will is he know my name? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> a Vegas-related question, blackjack or slots? Slots. Yeah? Yes, Have because I don't know how to do either, and I would imagine <laughs> I can, like, pull the handle. That's, yeah, I can figure that out pretty easily. The next one, Alaska or Iceland? Alaska. Right. Northern Lights. Yeah? Yeah. You like oh, it? my God. Alaska is absolutely gorgeous. And the last one, pizza or pasta? It's very Italian. Pizza. Yeah? You can't go wrong with pizza. You well, can't. you, you kind of can, depending on who's making it. But usually, <laughs> usually it's a good choice. Okay, brilliant. Well, look, that concludes our, uh, our first episode here at uh, MWC 2022. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, likewise. Uh, Keisha, and um, are there any last closing thoughts that you would like to leave uh, for our audience? You know, the biggest thing is if you're going to make a commitment, make sure that it really speaks to the populations you serve. You know, T-Mobile has done just such a phenomenal job. And this is me speaking as a forever educator. You know, T-Mobile has done a phenomenal job tapping into communities and really being highly responsive to what they actually need. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just encourage any of our, um, you know, our peers, whether it's at Internet service providers or device providers, 
uh, or innovative strategy, you know, companies mm -hmm. really tap into the needs of those communities and seek to solve a future problem right now that we don't have solutions for. How do we get underserved populations and those students and communities a part of a future workforce that right now they just don't have access to? We're in such a beautiful position to do that. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, I've enjoyed our conversation immensely, and I hope that you enjoyed the rest of your week. Thank you so much. Thank Until you. next time. Until next time, for sure. All right. So my next guest here uh, at the Great Indoors at MWC 2022 in Las Vegas is, is someone we've had on the show before, but not this is the first time in person. So I'd like to welcome Mr. Jeff Luang from AT&T to the Great Indoors. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here live. Yeah, great to see you live. Great to see you live. And um, I'm looking forward to picking up from where we were 12 months ago because it was a, a fascinating conversation when we first met. Um, but just for our listeners, Jeff... Uh, give everyone a, a brief overview of your role uh, at AT&T now. So my title is the President of Access and Adoption. So my job is to actually go and work with communities to help close the digital divide. So we work on a lot of different opportunities in terms of addressing uh, the three pillars of digital divide, which is access, uh, making sure that people have uh, the ability to sign up for connections affordability, making sure that they have the ability to actually uh, pay for the service and can afford the service, and then also adoption in terms of uh, making sure that people understand the value of the internet, know how to utilize it as fullest, and get uh, the benefit that we all are currently getting from a highly connected digital world. Okay, and, and since we spoke a year ago, what have yourself and AT&T done to further uh, bridge the divide? Oh my God, um, how much time do you have? I, I, could, I could go on for days. Three days. <laughs> three, days. three days, all right, all right. So I'll take two of those three days. <laughs> uh, so uh, let me start off, uh, you know, kind of addressing it uh, across the three pillars of access, affordability, and adoption. So from an access perspective, uh, we've been very active in creating public-private partnerships uh, with state and local governments. Uh, I just completed a keynote speech where I talked about how we're deploying fiber broadband to uh, communities across the country. Uh, the one that I shared was in Vandenberg, Indiana, where we're building fiber, and we're actually proud to announce that we're actually delivering service in, in less than a year. And then when the contract was signed, uh, exactly seven months actually from, wow. from when the contract was executed to us actually delivering service. There's no company that has the ability to deliver networks at the speed and uh, effectiveness and scale that we do here in AT&T. But it's not just fiber alone. Uh, we're also working with uh, communities on wireless opportunities as well too. We're working with a tribal nation to build out uh, wireless coverage to a rural, challenging terrain area that are providing connectivity to a place that has no connectivity and really changing the lives of that community. We are uh, leveraging our uh, first net uh, capabilities deploying band 14, expanding coverage to other tribal nations, such as the Navajo nations, provide connectivity for uh, their first responders, but also allowing the community as a whole to also utilize those services as well too, and, ex and expand the services. So from an access perspective, we've been super aggressive, super active, working with communities across the country. From an affordability perspective, uh, we've been partnering
working with the government. The government, uh, through the bipartisan infrastructure bill, has a program called Affordable Connectivity Program. This program allows families uh, that are eligible uh, $30 relief on their uh, connectivity solution, whether it is a home broadband solution or it's a wireless solution. They get help with, with those uh, monthly right. bills. The, uh, what we did in AT&T in terms of leading this effort is we came up with a solution that is a $30 a month solution for our fiber-based services that is 100 megabit symmetric up wow. and down. Uh, and what that means is that for families that sign up for our AT&T access product and sign up for ACP through the federal government, they get connectivity for free. 100 megabit symmetric service for free when combining those two offers. And, and that was a, that's a great program. That's a great program to get more people connected to the internet. And then lastly, on the adoption side of it is we're working with uh, organizations throughout the country to help with adoption effort. The one that I would, there's a ton of them, but the one that I would point out is our connected learning centers. We are building connected learning centers across the country. These are locations actually in the community, partnered with local organizations that know the community best, that provide high-speed connectivity, state-of-the-art computing devices, and also providing resources uh, to help them you know, get better educated on broadband, on how to use the internet, how to use it effectively, how to use it safely, how to, uh, uh, and how to really sign up for these other programs that allows them to move that connectivity from these centers to their mm -hmm. home and eventually be part of this digital economy. I mean, wow, because it's not just about the, the, the connectivity. It's like you said, that adoption yeah. and ensuring that is, is critical, absolutely critical. Now, you, how many communities would you say you've managed to reach in the last 12 months since we spoke? Yeah, we are not, uh, we have not publicly shared the no. specific accounts of communities, but I would tell you that we are active across the country in terms of having discussions. We have signed, uh, we have actually executed contracts and publicly announced uh, opportunities across the uh, state of Indiana, uh, in Kentucky, in Texas, in Louisiana, and there are more to come. And, and I yeah. think every single week, uh, we are seeing more opportunities for us to engage, and we are, uh, we are finding a lot of receptive uh, partners to, yeah. to work with us. And the, and the reason I ask is because I see a lot of it out there. Mm -hmm. I see yourself in particular on LinkedIn. I see a lot of what AT&T is doing. It's a, it's, it's a really momentous initiative, right, that's gathering pace every day. And not, not only are, are we hearing about it, seeing about it, and, and feeling the, the, the momentum that's there, the, the thing that I'm proud of is that we're actually getting results. This is actually resulting in investment, taking federal investment, combining it with private sector investment, and actually putting network in the ground, creating jobs, for, uh, uh, for people, and then also connecting these desperately needed communities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Vandenberg, Indiana, for example, that the community that I just mentioned, uh, we are actually now delivering service and providing service, and we're seeing the adoption rate you know, exceeding what our expectation is. And we're seeing these communities buying these really high speed connections because they understand what this could do for them yeah. in terms of not just for, you know, the personal use in terms of uh, distance learning, telemedicine and remote work, but also what it does for their businesses as well too. How does they, how can they now use this farming community, rural community, leverage 
high-speed connectivity to expand you know, the efficiency of agriculture, to you know, allow them to counter all the challenges that we're facing as a society right now with the inflationary pressures, supply chain pressures, yeah. uh, climate change uh, impact to our businesses and to our personal lives. You know, connectivity is core to helping solve yeah. these problems. Yeah, and, and since we last spoke, one thing that, that we see a lot of in the press, and it's, it's well publicized, is AT&T rolling out their C-band mm -hmm. uh, nationwide. Yeah. You talked a lot there about fiber and the speeds. How has the C-band rollout helped with your initiatives in those communities? Yeah, it, it, um, you know, I think a lot of people talk about the, the fiber network and the wireless network as two different networks. The reality is that we have one network, and I think yeah, the beauty of what we're doing here in AT&T is our ability to link these networks together, right? C-band does not exist without greater penetration of fiber and greater deployment of fiber. You know, the reason why C-band is so effective is because of that fiber backhaul to the core, right? Yeah. That's, that's what enables C-bands to deliver it. But we also do need the C-band spectrum in terms of this, to, to fulfill the need of how people are evolving and changing the use of their services. And so what we've seen is we've seen significant data consumption growth over the past couple of years, obviously um, you know, facilitated by the pandemic, but also really just kind of the progression of, of what has happened over the past decade, right? Yeah, in terms yeah. of the digitization of uh, the way we live, work, and play. And so C-band is critical as, as the consumption of data and as mobile services increase, we need, to we need to be able to provide additional capacity and we need to continue to provide greater speed to support these applications. And C-band and mid-band spectrum in general, not just specifically C-band, yeah. is a great opportunity for us to do it in a cost-effective manner and allow us to leverage our existing macro sites to actually ex uh, provide that capacity that people need so that they have a seamless experience that they may not even appreciate themselves, right? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, we talk about uh, our network and we talk about, you know, what is the speed? Are we running at, you know, 25 megs, 50 megs, 100 megs? The reality is that most people outside of this convention center really is not concerned about the speed. Yeah. What they're concerned about is their performance. You know, yeah. is there uh, a latency in terms of a delay in getting their content? Is there buffering that's occurring with their video services? Can they, can they do a two-way video communications? And, and what we've been able to do in AT&T, combining the fiber network structure that we have with a very robust low set of low band spectrum, and also the combination of strategically deploying you know, C-band and mid-band spectrum where it mm -hmm. needs it, allows customers to really view the network and experience the network like oxygen. It is there, it's supporting what they need, and, and they don't need to worry about it. And that's what we're trying to achieve here in AT&T. So it's, it's just, it's seeing C-band as just part of the equation. It's augmenting the existing yeah. assets in play as opposed to, okay, this is what we're focusing on right now. So you're bringing that holistic, and like you said, no one knows outside of this convention center. You know, all they want is the connectivity and they want the quality of service, right? Yeah, I mean, if they, uh, go talk to somebody that's outside this convention center and ask them, how often do they run a speed test? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. we run speed tests all day long. I run speed tests on my phone on a constant basis to check the network and understand how we're performing and everything else. The reality is that the most of the general population just want their services to work. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do as network providers is making sure that we create an environment, create a network that allows them to seamlessly transition 
through the complex architecture that we that we have created in this industry without having necessary to worry about the fact that am I on C-band, am I on millimeter wave, yeah. am I on low band spectrum, yeah. Yeah. You know, am I on Wi-Fi? The reality is that you talk to customers, many of them can't provide the distinction between Wi-Fi versus low band versus mid band versus C-band. They yeah. just want these services to transition seamlessly from one network architecture to another architecture. And what our job is to make sure that uh, we create a really dynamic and economic environment for, uh, for our customers is to make sure that we figure out ways to most efficiently take all that data and bring it back into the network and back out to the network in the most cost-efficient manner possible. Mm -hmm. If that is the result of pushing more traffic onto fiber, so be it. If that is moving traffic onto C-band, so be it. If that is through densification of small cells, so be it. I don't think a customer cares no. that, you know, I, no, I, just, I just want my connection through C-band. I don't want it to go through a small cell. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that they, they want the connection to work and to work effectively. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to go back to something you said before, Jeff, and, and, and I think this is really interesting. And we're right in the middle of this. When we last spoke 12 months ago, we looked predominantly at the digital divide. There'd been a light shine on it, shone on it rather mm -hmm. by COVID. Yep. We talked very much about education because mm -hmm. that was kind of the big thing that we needed to underpin. Since which time, it could be argued we're facing an even bigger crisis now with the inflationary pressures caused by supply chain disruption, the war in Ukraine, uh, the cost of living crisis that's in front of us. In many ways, this is going to amplify and exacerbate the digital divide, right? What, what, what are you seeing in this with this extra pressure that's kind of come from nowhere? Yeah, you know, I, I, don't think it, it, I don't think it's necessary, right, to say it come from nowhere. It's really it's just creating a problem that was existing to be greater, right? I think yeah. uh, with inflationary pressure, with supply chain issues and everything else, families are looking at their budget every single day and trying to figure out how to make ends meet, right? Although we're proud as an industry to, when you look at our, um, our services that we provide both on the mobile side and, and uh, the home internet connection side of it, our prices has dramatically uh, lower than what inflation has been, not just in the past year or so, but over the past decade. I think the value that connectivity has provided in terms of the speed upgrade and capability that it's provided, but yet not necessarily increased in terms of to the same level of the pricing pre uh, pressure that all other products and services have, I think is a testament to what we as an industry has done in terms of providing a, a great solution for folks. But that in itself is not sufficient. And that's where the federal government's affordable connectivity program comes in because this is not the problem that could be solved alone by industry that you know yeah. government needs to be involved. And the good thing is that government understands how vital connectivity is and that the need for government, for families to stay connected and therefore is investing dollars alongside with the private mm -hmm. sectors to support that need. And I think the last thing I would mention about that piece of it is that once, you know, that the key to connectivity is that connectivity actually Im improves the economic situations of families. Obviously, we talk about how education could, could improve people's economic situation, how the ability to work, uh, to work remotely provides new job opportunities for them to continue to advance their, their careers. And telemedicine and more efficient use of, of, of healthcare also you know, mm -hmm. provides better benefit to society as a whole. And in addition to that, you, you, you take that and you take about other applications that you're using in terms of you know, 
having good connectivity allows you to minimize your commute, right? You know, look at what gas prices is right now yeah. and you know, to save a couple of trips, whether it's to the office or, or to go visit somebody and to be able to do it remotely, it's a significant benefit to the budget. Not to mention that you know, transportation is a key component to climate change. Yeah. And so our ability that connectivity really can't be understated in terms of its benefit to the economic health of individual families to communities as a general, and also its impact on climate change is, is very significant. And that was going to be my next question, and I know we touched on this the last time we spoke. And I remember I phrased the question to you, Can't, if technology can help us get through COVID, can it help us get through the next big challenge facing humanity, climate change. And I remember you said, yes, absolutely. But based on, 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 on the connectivity, reducing transportation, commuting and, and gas prices, how, how else can technology help with climate change? Yeah, so, so I think uh, I, I definitely touched on how uh, connectivity is helping families reduce their carbon footprint, and which is a significant component of climate change. But I think uh, tech, what we have not touched on is how technology is, is helping businesses transform the way they operate. I'll, I'll go back to uh, the discussion for Vandenberg, Indiana. is a rural town. It's an agriculture town. You know, the ability to, pre to do precision agriculture, to limit the amount of fertilizer that they utilize, uh, to effectively um, uh, utilize more efficiently water. And, you know, especially, you know, we're here in Las Vegas and we understand the scarcity of water here in the southwestern United States. And so technology and, the, and, and its capability of enabling IoT really makes it very effective in terms of reducing the carbon footprint yeah. of agriculture. Yeah. In addition to that, you could move on to uh, manufacturing in terms of the more effective use of manufacturing using 5G technology, using IoT, um, and really you know, having devices connected and be able to transmit data and allow us to you know, control lights and, and reducing our, our, our you know, number of electricity on, on, on you know, powering lights, powering uh, machinery, powering mm -hmm. stuff. You know, the more effectively we operate, the less we are reliant on fossil fuel and the less we are producing carbon, which is a severe you know, impact to our climate. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And we, we, we've got it running there as we're involved in the food resiliency program up in Snohomish County, mm -hmm. which is you know, taking that connectivity, taking a whole bunch of partners to make their operations so much more efficient. You're helping with energy consumption and carbon mm -hmm. output, but you're also helping with the food shortage we, we were in the middle of a food crisis uh issue right now and one of my other guests i had on today uh, is from a company called willia that produces the ambient iot tags mm. to improve the efficiency of all supply chains reduce perishable uh when when food perishes because of, of of a long duration so i think we'll stay tuned on that because i think it's continuing to move it's continuing to help and it certainly feels that we have the power to do it technology in this instance can be the savior again, right? Yeah, absolutely. And your comment about food, there is not a scarcity of food. What there's a scarcity of is the logistics of getting the food in front of people that need it most. Yeah. And, and that is a problem that's ideal for technology to resolve, right? And yeah. so there's so much waste in terms of foods that, that goes um, spoiled because we cannot get it to the right places. And yeah. so, and you know, having the technology in place to enable that is, is significant. 
Brilliant, brilliant. So I think you've touched on this, but it's almost like a summary type question, Jeff. You know, when we look at uh, AT&T's C-band fiber rollout, its partners, its partnership with government and, and uh, et cetera, how would you rank how AT&T is doing now with the main goal of bridging the di digital divide in comparison to what other players are doing? Yeah, I, I think the focus for me is on the customer and on the community, right? And, and, I, and I believe that for us as an industry, what we need to do is we need to be customer focused and community focused, right? So much of what we do is we talk about our lingo. Nobody knows, I mean, there's a lot of people that are confused with what 5G is versus 4G. They're comparing 5G with 10G PON, right? So they don't even understand, you know, you know each generation of wireless technology is different than, than 10 gigabits of traffic that's out there. We are so internally focused as an industry in terms of what we're doing. What we need to be doing is focusing on the community itself. It's understanding is what is going to provide the benefit to, uh, to our customers. How do we improve their lives? What do they need? What are some of the applications that they're utilizing that they can't do, right? And that's where, from our perspective in AT&T, we look at our portfolio of solutions that we offer from home broadband services with fiber to our 5G connectivity with both low band spectrum and mid band spectrum to also really critically our band 14 first net spectrum that allows yeah. um, you know, our first responders to support their communities. You take those solutions and you help the communities based on their needs, but the start should absolutely be the customer and not be internally focused from an industry perspective. I think that is such a poignant and brilliant comment there, Jeff, because I think we look at this convention again or any event that we attend and we focus on technology, speeds and feeds, functions, yeah. features. But I think we are now starting to look at outcomes, customer outcomes that we can produce, not just by ourselves as well, but in cooperation. Absolutely. And I think that language is changing. I think it's, just, it's going to take a while because we're a tech industry. But that language is definitely changing. Absolutely. You know, the problems that we need to solve as a society is bigger than any one company or one industry can solve. Absolutely. You know, it's something that needs to be done in partnership you know, across industries and across companies. And it's also something that needs to include government. And it's also something that needs to require um, you know, community-based organizations that has the ability and understands um, you know, their community better and therefore you know, presents problems that they have and that we are able to align our solutions to their problems. That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. I must have said, it's so admirable and, and noble what you do, Jeff, and, and the role you play in AT&T. Does it feel good? You know, it feels really good, actually. It feels, uh, it feels great when we're able to really affect lives and change the way that it works. I'm actually going out to Vandenberg, Indiana next week. We're going to be meeting with some of the people that their lives are literally changed because they have high-speed connectivity that they did not have before. Yeah. You, know, they're, you know, the way that they're going to live their lives going forward because of this capability that we provide as AT&T and as industry to them, it's going to really affect, you know, how they will live and knowing the lifespans of, of fiber optic technology, how their children will live yeah. as well too. It's, yeah. it's not a, not a one-time situation. You know, the services that we provide affects generational in terms of 
uh, of how it impact uh, those and, communities. And social mobility and, mm -hmm. and the GDP, and it lifts people out of poverty. It gives people opportunities that they never had. It really is incredible. It is. Yeah. So thank you very much, Jeff. Listen, I've really enjoyed our conversation. We're going to finish now. This is how we finish in our latest season. We finish with our quick fire TGI to go round. TGI to go. And I'm only going to ask you five questions and it's multiple choice. And it just gives us a, an insight into, into you a little bit more depth. And, and uh, we can explore why uh, you may have... Um, now we've got random questions on food and all yep. sorts of other things. But my first question on TGI to go here to you, Jeff, is Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? They're both pretty good. I'm not sure I could pick a choice. Okay. Yep. But I'm, I'm with you on that. I can't, I can't choose a winner of those two. Yeah, it's but, possible. Uh, it's, it's definitely that. Now we're in Vegas. Slots or roulette? Roulette. Yeah. I, I don't believe I'm just hitting a button and having that uh, <laughs> <laughs> determine my destiny. You know, <laughs> you know as much as, as I know that uh, the odds are against you, I, I, I want to I make a choice, right? <laughs> Great answer. On a more culinary matter here, Tex-Mex or Indian? Oh, Tex-Mex. Yeah. I, uh, I, I lived in uh, Texas twice in my in my life, uh, two years each, and oh my God, you know, I, I could have Tex-Mex every single day. Right, yep. that's a good answer, that's mm -hmm. a good answer. And staying over in California, because I know that's, that's where you uh, live, Jeff, Santa Barbara or Napa Valley? Uh, Santa Barbara. I, uh, I actually did two years at UC Santa Barbara, the mighty gauchos. Uh, you know, there's a reason why housing prices are so crazy in Santa Barbara. It yeah. is the beautiful, the most beautiful place in the world uh, along that coast in Santa Barbara. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show again, Jeff. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Same here. And um, what else are you hoping to see before the week is through? really just meeting with a lot of colleagues and really looking forward to um, all the new technologies that we're producing that, and creating new solutions that we could utilize to, to help our communities. What a brilliant beginning to our MWC 2022 Season 5 episode. Stay tuned for more and also check out amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors for more information, back episodes and videos associated with TGI. I'm Matthew Roberts in Las Vegas for Amdocs. See you next time, wherever you are.